Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. I'm joined here in the King Power Stadium by James the Sharp and Sharp. And we're going to be discussing all things Leicester City ahead of the Premier League clash with Liverpool uh, tomorrow afternoon before the usual message. Uh, Beer52.com. We've got free beer on offer for all our listeners. Uh, All you have to do is go to the Beer52.com website, use the tag word Leicester to register and you get a free crate of beers from around the world. All you have to do is pay your postage packing and that's it. And uh, enjoy that free beer. Um, now let's get on to the news coming out of today's press conference, Craig Shakespeare, uh, James. First of all, let's start with the team news. And everybody was hoping that Jamie Vardy would shake off that groin injury uh, that kept him out of Tuesday's game. What's the news? The news is that he has shaken it off. Um, Vardy couldn't train at the start of the week um, following that little groin injury late on in the draw at Huddersfield. But Shakespeare confirmed that he has trained today, trained this morning, and Shakespeare said he hoped that there will be no adverse reactions to it and he'll get checked again tomorrow, but the signs are at this moment in time that Vardy is okay to face Liverpool, which is great news because he has a fantastic record. Yeah, it's it's five in the last three. Five in the last three, yeah, so the two goals in the game last season at home where Shakespeare's first game in charge, where after all of the, the bad press about Ranieri sacking, they all came out firing and Vardy scored two there. He even he scored in their 4-1 defeat at Anfield where he got gifted a tap-in. And he scored two goals in the home win in the title winning season, including that ridiculous 25-yard volley. It's well. amazing how players have these little runs against certain teams. Yeah. I remember when David Nugent was here, it was always Ipswich or Burnley that he used to yeah. always score against. And, uh, and Vardy, it's Liverpool, so hopefully he's mm. going to be fully fit and he can... Continue in the same vein. Yeah, you'd hope so. Um, he's got he's got a great knack at scoring against big clubs. Um, mm. I remember when when Lukaku was moving to to Liverpool, we had a look at it. Um, Jordan, our resident stat, had a look at it, and Vardy's goals against top six clubs was almost like three times as many as Lukaku's. It, Vardy loves a big game. Mm. When the big game comes, Vardy is the man um, to shine, and hopefully they will do it again at the weekend. Because to be fair. It, it, it's imperative they get a, a pretty good result. Yeah, and we'll talk about in a, in a bit about who yeah. should actually partner Vardy if he is fully fit uh, against Liverpool because obviously Shinji Okazaki's yeah. performance on Tuesday night yes. has really sort of made that a really hot topic at the moment and I'm looking forward to that one. Um, other team news, there's some good news, some bad news. Yeah, we'll, I'll start with the bad news and that's uh, Matty James picked up a little bit of an Achilles knock at the end of the Chelsea game, didn't he? And Shakespeare confirmed today that he will be out for between four to six weeks with an Achilles strain, which is horrendous news again. For well, I think they, they didn't realise it was going to be this serious because when I first saw him after the Chelsea game walking through the mix zone, he said he was hobbling a little bit, but he said he'd be OK. He's and in he, a boot now. He's in a protective boot now, so obviously they've had it assessed properly. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's not, not good. You've got to feel for him, haven't you? Yeah, because he's worked so hard to get back. And he, he's been so unlucky with his injuries 
coming back from his knee. His knee injury was horrific as it was, and then he had setback after setback coming back from that. Finally got back with it, had a real good time at Barnsley where didn't miss a day's training, had come back strong at the start of this season as well. It looked it looked solid and now he it and now he's gonna find another some more time on the sidelines and like Shakespeare said it it, it could be worse, it could be more long term, but Four to six weeks is still pretty decent time. It's, yeah. just, it's just horrible look for that because he's, he's, he's worked so. It's just you just hope that after what he's been through, that mentally he's uh, you know he's in a good place now to deal with this one. This will feel like you know a short term injury compared to uh, what yeah. he's gone through in the in the past. But let's get on to some good news, Christian Fuchs. Yes, so Christian Fuchs is back and fit after his freak incident with a pole in training. Like everyone was making Vasilevsky related jokes. But it did sound nasty. It say it was so he was leaning on a he swa- swelled right up close. Yeah, one of training, like Rocky Balboa. Yeah, one of those training poles and training. The ball hit, ball hit it, flicked him in the eye. The eye closed up completely straight away. Making me really dangerous. You look at other sports like cricket and Mark Boucher. His career was ended by being hit in the eye with a bail. So these eye injuries can be really, really, really dangerous. But he's seen a specialist. Shakespeare said specialist giving him the all clear. He's trained this week. No, he's he's fine. He is as he would expect him to be, and he is in contention to play at the weekend. So that's good news. Uh, Robert Huth less so. Robert Huth, he is still not quite fit after his ankle surgery over the summer. He played ninety minutes for the under twenty three the other week, but Shakespeare said it's one step forward, one step back at the minute with Huth, which yeah, is a bit of a shame. Yeah, I mean he was ahead of schedule, wasn't he? Yes, yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah, but there was also some um, some positive news about Vicente Bora and Kalecci and Nacho yeah. as well, wasn't there? I mean, both of them uh, are getting fitter with every training session. Vicente came through the game on Tuesday. His first full ninety minutes, he'd had a groin problem which had hampered his start of his City career, but he's it seems like he's in good shape now. Um, whilst we're on this subject, we might, I might as well ask you now then, uh, with Vicente coming through 90 minutes, with James being uh, definitely out, ruled out, would you bring Vicente straight in to that midfield? Would you dislodge Andy King or Wilfred Ndidi? Um, I would like to say yes, but I can't say yes because all the signs point towards it. And Shakespeare's mentioned it today, um, He's mentioned it before. Um, he mentioned it after the game against. Um, uh, so he's used to play against on Tuesday. He's used to playing a three, um, not a two, and he's being asked to play in a two for Leicester. And you could see on Tuesday that he's still not quite up to full speed when it comes to English football, the Premier, uh, the Premier League sides, and in that midfield. Looked, it, I thought he, he's got class about him, but he still looked a little bit off the pace um, in that two-man midfield. And having come through a full game on Tuesday, how much is that still going to be in his legs coming to Saturday? If Leicester were to play a three in midfield, then I think maybe, because that will relieve some of the load on him, but I don't think he will. I don't think Shaky will look, set a couple no, up, no, apple cart. Neither. Although I think Wilfred Diddy looks like, there's the signs the last few games, that he might need a little break. His uh, yeah. um, distribution of the ball has not been uh, of the highest no. standard, but no, he's got that youthful exuberance about him, hasn't he? Uh, let's get back to the news instead of our opinions. And um, Adrian Silva. Now, yeah. this is an ongoing um, saga. And every time we see Craig Shakespeare, we ask him for an update. He says he's asking for an update. He wanted an update on the update. Well, now he wants an update on the update on the update. There is no update. No. Um, there isn't one. It's a long way of me say, saying there's nothing to report, really. No, I know. I mean, everyone is dying for this to, to be resolved, none more so than 
than Silver himself by the sounds of it. Shakespeare was quite open and said that the lad's getting frustrated. He's doing bits of fitness inside. He's even been outside kicking the ball about, but on his own, um, not playing with the squad. Shakespeare said that he had invited him into the dressing room after the game on Tuesday uh, to meet what could be his potential teammates, but at the minute he's still not training with them. It's still, as we keep being told, a process. It is the it is still an ongoing process, uh, which is always confidential because it's to do with lawyers and all that kind of nitty gritty stuff. Shakespeare wants him here. The player wants him here, and they're trying. But as you yeah, can sense the frustration in, yeah, in Shakespeare, Shakespeare can't yeah, you when yeah, you see him talking yeah, about it? He's not hiding. He's not hiding the frustration at the minute, especially when he was asked. It must be frustrating for you to be asked this question. Are you? Are your bosses frustrated with you asking the same questions? And Shakespeare basically said, I don't really care how frustrated they are. I want the player here. It's my job to, to keep asking because I want him here. So you can sense the frustration. Mm. You can sense it among the fans. You just have to look at social media. You, you know that they want him here. Everyone wants him to be here. But at the minute, he can't play. Well, FIFA say no, as we know. you know They are the uh, they do own the game, don't they? I, I say sarcastically. Uh, but we know Silva has, uh, has met his teammates. He's been down the training ground. He's been training indoors and outdoors, but uh, not with his teammates not allowed to train with his teammates but he did pop into the uh, dressing room after the Liverpool game on Tuesday uh, so hopefully that'll get. we say this every week but hopefully yeah, no. that will be rectified now um, Nigel Pearson he's is back. back he's back and he's not where oh, you'd nice. expect him to be we thought after the job he'd done at uh, keeping Leicester City in the Premier League that uh, a Premier League club would come calling for him next uh, we knew it weren't going to work out at Derby when you got a chairman who likes to get his fingers in the pie. And uh, Nigel was never going to stomach that, so that was a short-lived excursion. But we thought he would emerge soon, but we didn't think in the second tier of Belgium football. But that's where he is. No, we didn't, did we? Um, it's, this is I mean, it's interesting for so many reasons. Uh, obviously, he looked like he, he might get the middle of a job, but missed out on that one. And it all gone a little bit quiet in the... Where is Nigel going to turn yeah, up next? Villa had a look at him as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, so he's been sniffing around jobs in England and this morning came as a huge shock when we it started to emerge that Nigel Pearson has now been appointed as the manager of OH Leuven, who just so happened to be the, if you want to call it, the sister club of Leicester City. They're owned by the same owners. Mm. Um, top is on the board. Um, Leicester has sent them players on loan and ground staff and such like and now they have Nigel Pearson as manager um, It's a, you have to admit it's a bit of a step down for, for a manager who managed in the Premier League to then go to the second tier but we know how football. ambitious those owners are aren't yes. they so. um, and it also shows as you may well point out it shows that despite the acrimony of his fallout regarding certain tapes in Thailand and the breakdown of relationships between the two of them their relationship is clearly not as bad as may, people may think it is. Well, I was told a while back that um, he had been in touch with uh, Vishai, the chairman that uh, sacked him. Um, well, sacked him on two occasions, yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if if everything is true that we uh, we believe. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, and they repaired their relationship. Um, it wasn't for football reasons. He was highly respected for his ability. I know uh, Top, the vice chairman, who's really heading up Leuven, he he's a big fan of Nigel in terms of the football managerial side of it, and um, so they've they've ditched their their current boss and brought Nigel straight in, and obviously they're ambitious. They're going to spend some money, 
get you back into the top tier of Belgian football and then target European football. I imagine, I mean, from what we saw Club Bruges last year, I don't think the standard's massively high, but um, it's going to be, uh, be interesting to watch from afar as Nigel gets to grips with the Belgian media as well. Yes, I don't. Um, he's had his first press conference today and I don't think he's referred to any of the journalists as some kind of avian creature just yet. So no. he should be going okay for now. Don't I've not heard it, so I don't know if he's put on any sort of Steve McLaren Flemish accent to make it. Well, we'll, we'll, look, we'll wait to see the uh, first video footage of his press conference but just I, to see if there's yeah. a little twang in there. I mean, I, it's so fascinating to see what how it happens. And it's quite a strange dynamic, really, because despite the fact that they say that there's no link between the two clubs, they, they, there is a link in the terms of it's owned by the same people, left to send players out on loan there. And the manager of this smaller club is Nigel Pearson, whereas the manager of Leicester, the bigger club, is Craig Shakespeare, his former assistant. It's almost like the seniority of roles may have sh- has shifted a little bit. So it's really interesting to see how this works out. I know little about second division Belgian football. Nigel's going to have to learn about it quickly, and how he, how much of a success is going to be. I have no idea. It's going to be so much. It's going to be so interesting to watch it unfold. Well, he'll have plenty of support. He'll have plenty yeah. of like he did when he uh, was manager here at the King Power Stadium. But it was interesting. Shake you saying how delighted he was. Yeah. That he's back in the game and that he'd always had a burning desire to manage overseas. Yeah. And there he is in in Belgium. Yeah. Well, I remember ages ago in a press conference with him, and he was talking about players going abroad and English players not should be go more English players should go abroad to try different styles of football to try and improve their games and maybe that's the reason why England as an international team aren't that great on the world stage because players aren't used to other um, types of football from other countries and players should go and experience that I imagine it's the same thing as a manager Nigel wants to do that as a manager go and experience other cultures mm. how they work and that can only make you a better manager in the long run yeah I was going to say Steve McLaren, but then we'll, we'll move on. Um, now then, let's, t- let's talk football. Uh, Liverpool, it's always nice when Liverpool come to town. It's, you know, it's, I mean, I grew up, growing up in the 80s, they were the, the club then. And uh, obviously, you've grown up in a bit later and on than that, it's been uh, Man United. But Liverpool always used to be the big boys, and they're back in town. And they haven't done too well at the King Power Stadium um, over the years. And there always seem to be memorable games. There always seems to be great goals scored hopefully it's going to be the same but what changes uh, is uh, Craig Shakespeare going to make to the side that beat them on Tuesday in rather strange circumstances considering how dominant Liverpool were in the first half with Coutinho orchestrating it I mean obviously Shinji him going off Coutinho going off and Shinji Okazaki coming on changed the game but we're expecting both sides to make heavy changes aren't we to their their lineups yeah I mean I guess it's a case of looking at that team on Tuesday and who played and who in that game put a strong enough case to be included into what you would class as the normal first team and I think the only one really who put in a ship Demario Gray I thought did okay but I can't see him coming in ahead of Albright or Mares. Shinji though is the one who yeah. showed just how important he is to Leicester I mean, they, Leicester was so flat before he came on and as soon as they came up, within seconds, he'd got the ball, put it through someone's legs, sent it out, and you could feel the energy build. Well, Shakespeare said that as well, didn't he? Yeah. Feel the, cha- the stadium changed, the atmosphere in the stadium changed. He sensed that from the dugout when Shinji... Exactly, and Shinji, no matter what you say about him, and you may moan that he spends too much time on his backside, he gets knocked over too easily. He is so crucial to how Leicester play. The way he links the midfield and the attack, does all that horrible, dirty work in the middle, 
which just gives Leicester, makes them more dynamic and they just play much better. The one criticism that people would have of him is that he doesn't score enough goals. He's now scored four goals in his last seven appearances, which is more than his last 33 combined. I spoke to him after the, after the game on Tuesday and I asked him, what have you changed about your game to make you score more goals or try and make you score more goals? And he said he, his thinking's changed. He now, in the, in the past, he would work hard, win the ball back, and then he, that would be it. But now he wins it back. Same hard work, but once he wins it, he's thinking, I need to get in the box. I need to get in the box and score. And we saw that on Tuesday, that getting into the box, knock down from a ball and scores. If he can keep adding these goals to his game, he, he's even more invaluable than he was before. So Shinji is the one I think will come in. Well, City have spent quite a lot of money bringing in strikers to play alongside Vardy ahead of Shinji Okazaki. And, uh, you know, I think the penny's finally dropping that Shinji is the best foil for Jamie Vardy and the way he's playing. I mean, I know Kletchi and Nacho come in and we started at Huddersfield last week and Shakespeare said today that his conditioning in the last 48 hours has yeah. really come on and he's really looking sharp in training. But I should imagine it, it, he would really, he's really a, a replacement for Vardy when Vardy is missing for whatever reason, whether he's got injured or was suspended or whatever, or he can come on as an impact sub. I can't see him starting uh, um, ahead of Shinji after Shinji's performance on Tuesday, can you? Well, he shouldn't. He shouldn't start ahead of Shinji. If if Iheanacho is going to start, like you say, it's either going to be in, in place of Vardy if Vardy is unavailable or if, if this groin injury, anything goes wrong there. Or you try and find a way of getting all three into the side, whether that means playing Iheanacho out wide or... You play a system where you can play two up front and Okazaki in behind it, like a three-five-two kind of thing. Shinji should start ahead of Inacho, no matter how sharp. It's the energy he brings, isn't yeah, it? Really, the energy to his performance. I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I wasn't out of this field, so you you were there and saw Inacho start, and he played in that kind of deeper role. Yeah. Did did he bring that same energy that Okazaki brings? No, not as much. But he didn't look like he was fully fit <laughs> to me. He looked like he was short of uh, of that yard of pace that we. We've come to associate him for when his performances at Man City, and we've got to remember as well. Man City was the majority of the time he was used as an impact sub as well. So you know it's when tiring defences come on, and that's why he looks so sharp. He's going to have to take on more responsibility at Leicester City, but um, for now, I still think Shinji is the man because he just buzzes around. He drops into midfield. He might want to score more goals and thinks he should be scoring more goals, but he's doing an invaluable job for the side by turning that midfield four into a five when they haven't got the ball. So it's. Uh, for yeah. me, it's a, for me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, people would, people always went on about Angola Kante doing the work of two blokes. Shinji essentially does the same. He does the work of a midfielder and a striker. So when Leicester have the ball, he's up there as a striker. But as soon as they don't have it, he's back into midfield and they're playing. They're playing in a five. So he does that. He does that two-position role. And as we've said, they spent a lot of money trying to find someone who can play that role better than Shinji. And as we we see again and again and again and again. No one plays that role as, as well as Shinji, and that role is so crucial. Uh, we've discussed the centre midfield, whether a ball should come in. Let's. What about left back? Christian Fuchs is fit. Chilwell, I thought, did a really good yeah. job on Oxley Chamberlain on yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. But up against Salah, is it going to be. I think this is a really. Do you go tough, with the experience? I think this is a really tough one, actually, because you'd like to, you'd like to say. Tuesday gave players a chance to shine. If they did shine, then they should keep their place. And I thought Chilwell did really well. Oxley Chamberlain. Did not look like a thirty-five million pound footballer. Great block in the first six minutes exactly. as well. That, that, goes, that goes in. It's a completely different game. So I think he has done enough to he's done enough to keep his spot. But then it comes back to against Mo Salah, do you want a young lad who can maybe keep up with the pace of him, or do you want 
someone like Christian Fuchs who's got the experience and the know-how. That positioning and get himself in positions. Yeah, I I feel like it's gonna be really, really harsh on Chilwell, but I think I think Shaky will go with Christian Fuchs. I th- I do as well. I think he'll bring Christian Fuchs back in. He wants that experience in that back four. Um, I, but you know, we're talking about team selection here, and you know, Craig hasn't got that many. Options has he really to change? Because nobody's going to. Amate isn't challenging Danny Simpson really for right back. You got the Fuchs Chilwell dynamic with the injuries and Dragovic not being 100% fit as well. You haven't got any options at centre mid, uh, centre back. You've got a couple of options in midfield, but with injuries again and the Adrian Silver thing, not as many as he'd probably like. He hasn't got that massive, massive amount of options, has he, to change no, it anyway? No, he hasn't. Especially in midfield. I know at the start of the season we were thinking, oh, he's got far too many central midfielders. He's got seven. He's got. He's got Drinkwater King and Didi, Mendy, Abora, um, uh, Amate, he's got loads. Now, he's, he's got, what, three? He's got, he's got Ndidi King and a, and a 90% fit Abora. Yeah, Amate uh, can play there, but, yeah, but, they, but they, they don't seem to take. No, I still don't. Do they, doubt, do they think he's a right back or do they think he's a, he's still a bit lost in positioning, I think. Um, centre back, Huth's not available and like Dragovic is still coming up to full. So, there isn't much, like you say, there isn't much to change really. There isn't his options aren't aren't that vast. Once he, if we ever get to a point where all the players are fully fit, then he's got some, then he's got some decisions to make. But at the minute, he's getting by with, he's getting by with what he can. Yeah, brilliant. Well, uh, check back on the Mercury website and uh, on our Facebook live page as well for all the uh, stories coming out of today's press conference, all the build up to the big game against uh, Liverpool Uh, we'll be back with another podcast starting next week and don't forget to go to beer52.com to get your beer thank you very much for joining us we'll hear from you soon